Hello, everybody. I'll be reading Genesis 44, A Silver Cup in a Sack. Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry, and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did as Joseph said. As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. When he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them. But they said to him, why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die, and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. Very well then, he said. Let it be as you say, whoever is found to have it will become my slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And this, at this, they tore their clothes. Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who was found to have the cup. But Joseph said, Far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. Then Judah went up to him and said, Pardon your servant, my lord. Let me speak a word to my lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My lord asked his servants, do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, We have an aged father, and there is a young son born to him in his old age. My brother is dead, and he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me so I can see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. But you told your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my Lord had said. Then our father said, go back and buy a little more food. But we said, we cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us, will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our other youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me. And I said, He has surely been torn to pieces 
and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. So now, if the boy is not with us, when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father, I said. If you do not bring him back, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. One of the disturbing changes that's taken place in recent years is that people often no longer want a Christian funeral. And whereas a generation ago people would want Bible readings and hymns in their funerals, now songs like My Way have become extremely popular. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exception. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. I did it my way. At one time, people wanted to say, I did it God's way. I wonder, as you look back on your life, is it with regret? I guess all of us can think of things we've said or done, or failed to say and do, and now we wish we could turn back the clock. But we can't. We can't change the past. The great good news of the Christian Gospel is that we can be forgiven. We can in fact repent. We can say to God, I admit I was wrong, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I repent of that. From now on I will change. From now on I will be different. I wonder, have you ever repented like that? To repent means to turn. To turn away from sin and turn to God. To following God. Former professional footballer Gavin Peacock talks about turning. He says, I was never going to be tall, so my dad, who was also a professional footballer, would take me into our backyard in south-east London and teach me how to quickly switch directions with the ball at my feet. The big guys won't be able to catch you, he said. For hours I would practice turning to the left and right, dribbling in and out of cones, spinning this way and that. My dad was right. The art of turning served me well. Many of the goals I scored in the years to come were as a result of that lesson. At age 16 I left school and signed a professional contract with Premier League Queen's Park Rangers QPR. I had achieved the goal and I wasn't really happy. I was playing for the England national youth team 
and it wasn't long before I broke into the starting eleven at QPR. But I was an insecure young man in the cutthroat world of professional sport. Football was my god. If I played well on a Saturday, I was high. If I played poorly, I was low. My sense of well-being depended entirely on my performance. I soon realised that achieving the goal wasn't all it's cracked up to be. Then, when I was 18, God intervened in my life. I was still struggling to find a purpose, so I decided to attend a local church. I don't remember what the minister preached on, but afterwards he invited me to his house, where he and his wife hosted a weekly youth Bible study. I rolled up in the car I'd bought, a 1980s icon, the Ford Escort XR3i. Yet when they spoke about Jesus, they displayed a life and joy that I did not have. They talked about sin as if it had consequence, and about God as if they knew him. I decided to return to the Bible study the following week and the next, and I began to hear the gospel for the first time. I realised that my biggest problem wasn't whether I met the disapproval of a 20,000 strong crowd on a Saturday. My biggest problem was my sin and disapproval of Almighty God. I realised that the biggest obstacle to happiness was that football was king instead of Jesus, who provided a perfect righteousness for me. Over time, my eyes were opened through the Sunday meeting, and I turned, repented, and believed the gospel. My heart still burned for football, but it burned for Christ more. At the age of 35, Peacock retired from playing for QPR, Chelsea, and Newcastle United. The schoolboy dream was over. He currently serves as a pastor in Canada. He concludes, all those years ago, my earthly father taught me the art of turning. But it was my heavenly father who turned me first to Christ and then helped me to turn others to Christ by preaching the gospel. So to repent means to turn. To turn away from sin, to turn to following Christ. Here in Genesis 44, we see that Judah... Joseph's brother has turned. Back in chapter 37, Judah suggested that the brothers sell Joseph into slavery in Egypt. Then in chapter 38, there's a very unsavoury story in which Judah sleeps with his daughter-in-law, thinking she is, his, she is a prostitute. Judah has been a bad person. But here in chapter 44, we see that he has changed. He's turned away from the person he used to be. We would say he's repented. This is the result of Joseph's dealings with his brothers. When they first appeared before him, appeared before him in chapter 42, Joseph had the opportunity for revenge. He could have killed or imprisoned his brothers for selling him into slavery in Egypt. 
now that he's been elevated to the role of Prime Minister. But Joseph doesn't seek revenge. Rather, he seeks reconciliation and puts pressure on his brothers to find out if they have changed, if they have turned, if they have repented. Because there's no reconciliation without repentance. In chapter 43, the brothers are at home with Jacob, their father, but there's a terrible famine, and the food they first bought in Egypt is gone. Jacob tells the brothers to go back to Egypt to buy some more grain, but the brothers remind Jacob that the ruler of Egypt will not sell them any more grain unless they bring their youngest brother to him. This is a test. If the brothers have changed, they will protect Benjamin, the youngest, Joseph's full brother, in a way that they did not protect Joseph when he was vulnerable. And so the brothers take Benjamin to Egypt, and Joseph treats the brothers to a fine meal, in which he gives Benjamin five times as much food as the other brothers. Joseph is setting up a test. Benjamin, the youngest, is clearly the favourite. He is the second son of his father's favourite wife, Rachel, Joseph's mother. This time, will the brothers resent Benjamin? Will they see Benjamin as expendable? Or will they protect Benjamin as they fail to protect, protect Joseph? Well, into chapter 44, Joseph gives instructions to his steward to fill the brothers' sacks with as much food as they can carry and to put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then, in verse 2, the steward is to put Joseph's own cup into Benjamin's sack, along with the silver for his grain. The men go on their way. Then Joseph sends his steward to catch up with the brothers and to accuse them of stealing Joseph's cup. The brothers are obviously very surprised at this accusation. They say in verse 8, we even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks last time. The last time Joseph tried this sort of scheme. Well, the brothers submit to having their sacks searched and to their horror, the cup is found in Benjamin's sack. They all return to Egypt in great distress. Judah's language is very telling in verse 16. What can we say to my Lord? What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves am the one who is found to have the cup. But Joseph wants to test their attitude to Benjamin. So he says in verse 17, Only the man who is found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you 
Go back to your father in peace. What will the brothers do now? What will Judah do now? Will they take their freedom at the expense of Benjamin? Will they treat Benjamin as they treated Joseph over two decades earlier? Well, verse 18. Then Judah went up to him and said, Pardon your servant, my lord. Let me speak a word to my lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, We have an aged father, and there is a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead, and he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Verse 30. If the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Verse 33. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. And let the boy return with his brothers. Judah has changed. Whereas he was more than happy to sell Joseph into slavery in Egypt. Although Judah was more than happy to hurt his father on that occasion. And of course to hurt Joseph. On this occasion, Judah wants to spare Benjamin and spare his father grief. Judah is willing to give himself that Benjamin might go free. Joseph has set up a test. Now he sees that Judah has passed the test. He has changed. He has repented. What are we to make of all this? Well, two things to say. Repentance is essential and repentance leads to reconciliation. Firstly then, repentance is essential. On October the 31st, 1517, Martin Luther is said to have posted 95 theses or disputation on the power of indulgences on the door of All Saints Church in Wittenberg. The professor of moral theology at the University of Wittenberg was proposing an academic debate about indulgences, the practice of offering money in order to remove punishment for sin. Luther was disturbed by how indulgences encouraged people to pay for forgiveness rather than repent. Instead, Luther argued, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, when he said repent, willed that the whole life of believers should be repentance. The whole life of believers should be repentance. In the 16th century, you could buy an indulgence from the church, supposedly to pay for forgiveness from sin. Luther rightly saw the problem with this. 
God is looking for real repentance from us. We're told in Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. When Jesus began his ministry in Galilee, the kingdom of God comes near. The kingdom of God is the place where God reigns. Jesus is saying that all those who hear him now have the opportunity to move from the kingdom of this world, where Satan is in charge, into the kingdom of God, where Jesus is in charge. And the way that we are transferred from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of Jesus is by repenting and believing. We come to a point in our lives where we see, up until this point, I've been in rebellion against King Jesus. Now, I want to repent of all that. I want to turn. I want to turn away from my sin. I want to turn to Christ. I want to transfer my citizenship from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. That's how we begin as a Christian. But as Luther said, the whole of believers' lives should be repentance. There is a great fundamental repentance when we become a Christian. Like Judah, changing from a cruel seller of Joseph into protector of Benjamin. There is a fundamental repentance when we become a Christian. But then every day we live a life of repentance. Every night we survey the day. What do I need to repent of this evening? How have I failed to love and please Jesus today? Our whole life becomes one of repentance. Repentance is essential. And secondly, repentance leads to reconciliation. As soon as Joseph sees Judah's repentance, as soon as he realises that the brothers have changed, he is able to be reconciled to them. In Acts 3, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. A man, lame from birth, was begging at the temple gate. Peter and John have no money for him, but they are able to heal him in the name of Jesus. This provides a platform for Peter to preach, and he preaches about Jesus. He recounts how his own people disowned him and handed him over to be killed. However, despite all that the people have done wrong, Peter is able to say in Acts 3.19, Repent then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That's how the Christian life works. 
we repent, we turn away from our sin, we turn to God. Our sin is wiped out. How good is that? Our sin is wiped out. The Bible calls this justification. We are justified. This means we are declared innocent. We are treated as if we'd never sinned. We are justified. Just as if I'd never sinned is a very good way to remember this word. We repent. We turn to God. Our sins are wiped out. And times of refreshing come from the Lord. That's a wonderful experience. I can think of times in my life when I've been relatively far from God. I've not been pleasing Him. I've not been loving Him. And then, once again, I come to that place of repentance. I get right with God. And times of refreshing come from God. The Bible is sweeter than honey to us. Prayer is very precious. Worship is intimate. Preaching speaks to us. We are refreshed by the Lord. Wouldn't you like this to be true of you? William Cooper wrote these words which have become very significant to many of us. Oh, for a closer walk with God, a calm and heavenly frame, a light to shine upon the road that leads me to the Lamb. Where is the blessedness I knew when first I sought the Lord? Where is the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his word? What peaceful hours I then enjoyed, how sweet their memory still, but they have left an aching void the world can never fill. Return, O holy dove, return, sweet messenger of rest. I hate the sins that made thee mourn and drove, me drove thee from my breast. The dearest idol I have known Whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. So shall my walk be close with God, calm and serene my frame. So pure a light shall mark the road that leads me to the Lamb. Have you known this experience? Do you long for a closer walk with God? Well, repentance is essential. But repentance leads to reconciliation. Be reconciled to God. Don't delay. 
be reconciled to God. Give up on saying, I did it my way. And from now on, do it God's way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you changed Judah so that he turned from being cruel to Joseph to being one who loved Benjamin and loved Jacob. Help each one of us to turn from our sin to repent and to be reconciled to you. Father, if there are any listening to this who've never been reconciled to you before, please work in their hearts right now. Please draw them to yourself. And Father, for those of us who've been Christians for some time, May our whole lives be lives of repentance. Help us to keep repenting day by day, to keep coming back to you, to keep pleasing you. Please work in us by your Spirit to make us more like Jesus. Please, Father, would we have less and less to repent of, as we go on in the Christian life. Please make us a holy people, we pray, who love you and please you. So we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.